Welcome, listeners, to a favorite story. It's a podcast in which we talk about fables and morals and parables, talking animals that make no sense and and people mistreating donkeys over and over again. <laughs> and also much more in today's episode of Between Lewis and Olga. I don't know what the voice... I was going for like an old guy voice, and then I think he turned into a ghost halfway through. <laughs> I just like how no matter who we're talking about, man, woman, whatever country they're from, you always go for old British white dude. Yeah, that's because everybody's an old British white dude. <laughs> uh, the person we're talking about today isn't. Yeah, he is obviously a white guy from Britain. <laughs> we know that for a fact, Hannah. Well, okay, so since he very probably doesn't exist, he could be whoever we <gasps> want him to be. What? Spoiler alert. <laughs> Hannah's breaking down walls. She's the Kool-Aid man. She's coming in, oh yeah, style. And we're, update, that guy that you didn't know anything about and you were about to learn a whole bunch about him, he didn't exist. He's Homer in the Odyssey. He's a collection of stories that people put together and then made one person so that it could be sold better. But we're gonna tell you his biography anyway. <laughs> Because that's what we do. So, okay, here's the thing. Before I started researching this episode, I did not know that Aesop probably wasn't a real person. I had I no idea. Sold. I had no idea at all. Because <laughs> you didn't know that name anyway, right? Uh, that too. Yeah. Let's let's address that elephant in the room. Is that an Aesop fable, elephant in the room? Anyway. I don't think that's one of his. <laughs> uh, let's address that elephant in the room, which is... His name is Aesop and not Aesop. I have been calling him Aesop for 26 years, and it just changed about two weeks ago. Yeah, because what the fuck? Um, which, I mean, if you think about it, the way it's spelled, that makes sense, even in English language, right? Like, you have the C, which is S-E-A. No, it doesn't make sense. Now I'm messed up because I'm a writer <laughs> yeah, and I know yeah. words. Doing a little bit of dyslexia. It's Aesop. Here, but... It's Aesop. I think it should be Aesop, but you know, I don't speak Greek or any ancient languages whatsoever. So Look, when America conquered the entire world in 1775, I think that we're we made it so that we're entitled to call anybody anything that we want, which is Aesop. <laughs> you are so American, it hurts. <laughs> I have been to dinner with someone once and we went to a Chinese restaurant and Oh god. And they asked, they asked, what is this nut called? And the person replied, and I'm sorry, I don't speak Chinese and I don't remember the name of it, but it's called like the Shir Yu Shir or something like that, right? And uh, and my and the person I'm with was like, yeah, but what's its American name? Oh no! Oh god! <laughs> and they're like, it doesn't have one. This is its name. He's like, we conquered the world. It has an English name. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so cringy. I said it in parody. He did not. <laughs> this is why if I can't pronounce something, I just like point at the menu item. Yeah. I'm like, please give me that. Give me that orange looking chicken. You mean the orange that... chicken? <laughs> yes, the orange chicken. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Aesop. 
and his yeah, fables. So- I feel like this is this should have been a precursor to the Grimm brothers because Grimm brothers were like in the 1700s, yeah. and uh, Aesop was born circa 620 before the Common Era. Yeah, so he's yeah. like 1500 years older than them. I don't know. I can't do math. Wait, wait. did you just go from the 1700s to 600 BC and say that was 1500 no, years? No. Okay, he's like. 1800 years older than them yes right no he's like 2000 years 2000 ah god 2000 and okay 200 bce dates are very hard for me to math because they go the opposite direction (laughs) they go closer to zero (laughs) do you think on in like in in bc1 they're like i wonder what's gonna happen next year (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was like a Y2K on steroids. Before everybody gets mad at me, I do understand that they didn't know it was called BCE. That they didn't what? they didn't have the same year dates as we did. They I understand that. They weren't calling it before Christ back then. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this Christ guy we've been counting down the dates to? I can't wait for that guy to show up. <laughs> Damn it, I was born in 2000 BC? The fuck? I couldn't be born 1900 years later? Damn it! (laughs) That would have been real exciting for them. (laughs) So um, Aesop is a legendary figure in the truest sense, credited with writing a lot of stories that our audience are probably familiar with, even if they don't know it. So stuff like the tortoise and the hare, the boy who cried wolf, like all of those little short children's stories are credited to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can't prove that he existed. The first recorded mention of him in Greek history comes about a century after Aesop died. Um, Herodotus wrote that Aesop was a slave from Samos, which is a Greek island near Turkey. Other historians tell slightly differing accounts of his life. Some say he was from Ethiopia. um, But in these stories, he's always a slave. That's like the Mm, very important part of his lore. Yeah. so he's usually described as mute and extremely ugly, which seems very mean. Uh, in the book Life of Aesop, which was like the first, basically like the first written biography, um, it describes Aesop as being of loathsome aspect, worthless as a servant, pot-bellied, misshapen of head, snub-nosed, swarthy, dwarfish, bandy-legged, short-armed, squint-eyed, liver-lipped, a portentous monstrosity. Good lord, sir. Yeah, whoever wrote that was a real jerk. Holy crap. Where's that list (laughs) on this? Did you put that list on this outline? Because that was insane. I know. I think that's the first time I've heard swarthy used as you a descriptor. Swarthy, pot-bellied, pretentious, liver-lipped, liver-lipped son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aesop not only was born a slave, but because he was mute, uh, some of the other slaves decided to take advantage of him too. In one incident, uh, they supposedly ate their master's figs and blamed Aesop for it. Uh, uh even though he couldn't talk, he kind of wiggled his way out of this because he went and he got a basin of warm water, drank it all, and made himself throw up, showing that he had nothing to eat that day. His stomach was empty. The yeah. master then orders all of the accusers to do the same thing, and they barf up the figs. Nice. Well next played, time, Aesop. <laughs> next time my wife complains that I've eaten the last Twinkie, 
I'm definitely well. No, then she'd know that I drank. I ate the last Twinkie. Frick. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is only good for proving innocence, right. Tyler. Damn it, Aesop, you're not helping me out, man. Uh, well, hopefully there will be some other um, fables that you can take some wisdom from. Um, so Aesop is often depicted as a pharmacos, which in the Greek religion uh, was basically a human scapegoat. Um, in ancient Greece, cities would literally have a scapegoat festival where an ugly man and or an ugly woman were selected, fed a great feast, and then beaten with fig branches and driven out of town or killed. So, yeah. Do you understand what a scapegoat is? Yeah, it's like the person that you blame for all of your problems. Or in this context, it was like their sacrifice to keep good luck coming to the town. So you, it was like, okay. Yeah. And drive I, them out. So, uh, yeah, the whole, the whole like idea of a scapegoat was like you, yeah, you put all the sins of a city or a group of people into this one sacrificial goat and then you send it out of town so that God will do what it'll do to this goat and it takes all of the evil stuff that God does to sinners and does it to the one goat. Um, but in which ancient is, Greece, that goat was a person. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> at what point did we decide scapegoat? It means human. I don't, where'd that uh, jump At the point that to? we started using humans instead of goats. Yeah. I can't like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but who, uh, who had the conversation where they're like, Look, I know that for a hundred years we've been we've been making scapegoats goats, right? But what if now hear me out, what if we made it a human and then killed them? <laughs> like I mean, seems like that would get more good favor from the gods, right? I guess. Humans are better than goats. It's like that episode of Parks and Recreation where they to throw Ted in the yeah. water instead of tea because there was there was a typo in the constitution see i was likening it to shirley jackson's the lottery where the villagers all kill the person who draws like the, mm. the black dot paper at the end yeah but i like that you went the parks and rec route yeah i'm definitely not in the uh, shirley jackson mode right now i'm more in the parks and rec that's good nobody should ever be in the shirley jackson mode it's very depressing so, yeah, so Aesop was uh, basically the scapegoat of his realm. His fellow slaves, the overseer, his masters, everybody all schemed to get him in trouble. Um, but his external ugliness corresponds with internal wisdom, and Aesop usually comes out on top, like in the instance with the figs. Um, as legend has it, Aesop later receives the gift of speech from the gods as a reward. Because what happened was a priestess of Isis was passing by the field in which she was working and she asked for directions. Aesop gave her food and drink and then led her to the main road. Um, and the priestess prayed to Isis to give Aesop the ability to speak as a thank you for helping her. Uh, Isis and her nine muses did that and more. Uh, one of the quotes is, they conferred on him the power to devise stories. Mm. So not only did he get the gift of speech from the gods, he supposedly got the gift of... I feel like I should be able to say this more eloquently, but of telling compelling stories and like basically <laughs> expressing his wisdom. Yeah. Something I it, can't do. It's a little ironic that you're having a hard time describing the ability to tell stories. Yeah. It's, I mean, when compared to Aesop, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a fail. I am a swarthy liver lipped failure. Yeah. Compared Isis to him. has not shown her favor upon you. That's obvious. <laughs> 
oh yeah i should have prayed harder or something <laughs> help more priestesses out yeah i mean so, you, you have a chance to win some favor i'm a minister you can help me out a little bit more and maybe god will help you <laughs> I feel like the priestess of Isis was a lot more honorable than you. She probably didn't like say, hey, uh, man, if you help me out. I'm not going to lie. I felt very dirty just making that joke. Like that felt <laughs> wrong. For all of our Christian listeners, just know that I immediately regretted making that joke. <laughs> so once Aesop is given the gift of speech, uh, the overseer uh, sells him to a slave dealer because I guess the overseer is like a little bit scared that now that Aesop can talk, he might, you know, tattle right on out. him for being such a dick. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the philosopher named Xanthus buys Aesop from the slave dealer. And in a number of instances, Aesop demonstrates that he is, in fact, wiser and cleverer than his master by telling fables. So, I mean, did you know what a fable was before this episode? Oh, yeah, come on. In the technical sense? No, I knew what <laughs> fables were in, I guess, a more abstract sense of if you have a talking animal, it's probably a fable. It's probably a fa That's fair. So basically, <laughs> a fable is a short story, usually feature featuring animals or inanimate objects as the characters. And one of the other important things is that it uh, conveys a moral. So the tortoise and the hare is probably one of the best known fables attributed to Aesop. Um, and of course, for anyone who did not grow up hearing this story, in it, the hare mocks the tortoise for being so slow. So the tortoise challenges the hare to a race. Uh, the hare takes off, instantly gets a huge lead, and wanting to really rub it in to the tortoise, he takes a nap partway through the race. Uh, the tortoise slowly passes the rabbit, who doesn't wake up until it's too late and he can't catch up. Aesop uh, is credited with telling dozens of stories like these throughout his lifetime, though they weren't like they were all t told orally and they weren't written down until well after his death sure um and in many versions of his life story aesop is called on to settle disagreements uh between xanthus and ladman who was another like rich dude in ancient greece ladman um, ladman i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right all right xanthus sounds like a toothpaste so i'm xanthus. pretty confident with that one <laughs> Make sure you use Xanthus toothpaste. Now, with whitening strips inside of the paste. <laughs> exactly. So, um, when he's called on to settle this dispute, Aesop, of course, characteristically does so through a story. Um, and afterward, Ladman asks if he can buy him. So, Xanthus agrees, and Aesop goes off to live with Ladman now. Uh, over the years, he goes on to tell Ladman many stories to help him solve his problems or learn something about the world. Uh, Ladman became a successful and well-respected man, and then one day he told Aesop he wanted to reward him for his good service. So uh, he basically told him he'd give him anything that he wanted. So Aesop told the story of the wolf and the dog, and this is my favorite one. Uh, one day a wolf was weak with hunger. A house dog saw the wolf and said, cousin, you'll die in the wild. Come work for my master. He'll feed you every day. The wolf was so hungry, he agreed and followed the dog home. As they walked, the wolf noticed the fur on the dog's neck was worn away. Oh, that's nothing, the dog said. That's where my master chains me. You get used to it. In that case, the wolf said, goodbye, cousin. I would rather starve while I'm free than be well fed in chains. And so then Ladman realizes that all Aesop wants is his freedom. His and he freedom! Gives it to him. Freedom! I've been, I've been waiting. I saw it on the outline. <laughs> I've been waiting this whole time for that. To yell freedom? Yeah. 
But they can never take your freedom! It's like a perfect Mel Gibson impression right there. I'm sure Mel Gibson would agree. (laughs) So I I have no idea where I heard that story the first time, but I liked it so much whenever I stumbled upon it that when I was 20, I got Star Free tattooed on my shoulder. Oh, shit. The only only tattoo I have comes from Aesop's Fable. I did not know you had that tattoo at all. (laughs) It's the only one that I have um, because that's my favorite fable of all time. What about that do you resonate with so much? Uh, Because... I am independent to a fault. <laughs> and I'm like, damn straight, Wolf, you go die in the wilderness. Don't be a slave. Hmm. All right. So it, it's like, I mean, I, I get it. I do. I totally get it. And at the end of the day, I don't know. Maybe I'm too practical and uh, <laughs> too much of a little bitch. I'd just be like, nah, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does uh, pose some some practical problems because every once in a while I'm like, you know what? It would be a lot easier to, you know, do this thing. And then I'm like, fuck, I have a tattoo on my shoulder that says star free. I, yeah. I got to do this myself. Yeah. It, it kind of is a reminder of, <laughs> of the fact that you have chosen the hard way to get things done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, uh, no house dog life for me. That's dope though. I didn't, I didn't realize you even had a tattoo, let alone that one. That is really cool. Yeah, I wanted to get it in like an inconspicuous or like an easy-ish to cover location. So mm-hmm. it's like right back there where like as long as I'm not wearing a tank top, you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I was quite pleased when I was reading um, the biography, which is a children's book. Yeah, and it is. And it's beautifully illustrated. So I got to the part where um, Aesop was about to tell the story to gain his freedom. And I was like, oh, is he going to tell it? Is he going to tell it? And then he told the story of the wolf and the dog. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so Aesop gets his freedom and as a freed man he supposedly became involved in public affairs and traveled a lot uh telling his fables along the way which is part of like how they became so widespread around ancient Greece right um I'm gonna butcher this king's name uh but King Croesus of Lydia? Yeah, do it. I don't know. Lean King into Croesus it. of Lydia was so impressed by Aesop that he offered him <clears throat> residency and a job in his court. So Aesop goes from ugly, liver-lipped, mute slave to working for the king. Yeah, he's he's the man now. He's the goat, but like greatest <laughs> like of all time, goat. not the he's scapegoat. The goat. <laughs> he was the scapegoat. Now he's just the goat. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's going to be a scapegoat one more time in his no! life. Uh, because I know, I know. You just want the story to have a happy ending, but it can't. While on a mission for King Croesus to distribute gold to the people of... Is it Delphi or Delphi? You're Christian. <laughs> you should know this. <laughs> you Christian. You read Greek. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably just pronounce that Delphi. Delphi? I No, I feel like it comes up in the Bible. And that's based on me going to church for like two years. You think that I, look, just because I can read the Bible doesn't mean I can pronounce the Bible. There are. (laughs) I assume it's come up in sermons though. And you've heard it said. There are names of places and people in the Bible that I actively just turn into different names. Like (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar. Until I watched the Matrix trilogy, that was King Eb. 
King Eb? King Eb, whenever I read that. And I would just move on with my life. And then I watched the Matrix. letters off of his name. Yeah. And then I watched the Matrix trilogy where the the ship that they're on is called the Nebuchadnezzar. And I was like, that's a dope name. I'm going to start pronouncing his name all the way. Turns out (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar is one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible because he turns into a werewolf. Whoa. I'm not joking. That really happens. I got to read the Bible again. I agree. That sounds way more exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Music to Tyler's ears right now. (laughs) Wait, let's stop and read the Bible together, huh? (laughs) He's like, it's working. I've finally gotten through to her. That's what I took. All you had to bring up was werewolves. Werewolves. (laughs) You know, I am a basic girl at heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but, totally okay. uh, vampires and werewolves, and there's a girl in there has to decide between what. No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> I'm Team Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so back to Delphi or Delphi, however it's pronounced. Delphi. So Aesop is going there on a uh, mission to distribute gold to the residents. Um, but while he was there, there was a misunderstanding about how much gold each person was supposed to receive. Aesop got discouraged because the Delphians did not seem appreciative enough of the gift from the king, so he decided to take it all back to the king. Nice. The people of Delphi, who thought he was actively cheating them and giving them a bad reputation, uh, got back at him by hiding a golden bowl from the temple of Apollo in his baggage. So then when he tried to leave town, they searched his things and accused him of stealing the bowl and sentenced him to death. (gasps) Aesop was not able to persuade them not to kill him, and in the end, he got thrown off a cliff. What? Yeah. Kind Damn. of a bummer ending. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. I mean, if his life was made up anyway, why didn't they write a happier ending to it? Well, but also, if you're going to murder a guy, then just murder him and come up with the story afterwards. Like, like they they did this whole thing of, okay go put one of the bowls from Apollo's temple in his bag. Then we'll know what's in there and we'll search his bag and go, you stole this. So now we're going to murder you. You can just cut. I think that's a brilliant plan. Or, or you just cut all that out and you murder him. And then when they're like, why did you murder him? Because he stole a bowl. You don't have to actually do all that. You can just murder him and then say, yep, he stole a bowl. I like your strategy, but they were very, um, <laughs> they were acting like we had CSI technology or something back then. And they were like, okay, we got to really <laughs> gotta like, sell, carefully we do gotta this. We got to sell this, this theft right here because you never know. The funny thing is, though, that actually like ties in very nicely to one of his fables, um, which I didn't realize until going over it right now. Because he had one about um, the lamb and the wolf or whatever. Where basically, like, the wolf sees a lamb drinking out of a stream, and he's like, that looks like a tasty meal, but it's just a lamb, so I better have a good reason for killing it. So then the wolf goes over and, like, accuses the lamb of muddying the stream, and the lamb's like, I'm not muddying it, plus I'm downstream from you anyway, so you don't have to drink the muddy water. And then the wolf just keeps, like, making excuses, and then finally he eats the lamb in the end, and the moral of the story is a tyrant will always find an excuse for their tyranny. So So he was proven right. Yes, the Delphians, they were like, oh, well, you stole something from us, so we're going to kill you. And he's like, I didn't fucking steal it. And they're like, nah, we're just going to throw you over the cliff anyway. Yeah. Isn't there a, I know this is super tangent. Isn't there a, like a 
TikToker or an OnlyFanser or someone streamer called something Delphi. Oh, I don't know. That seems sacrilegious if it's an OnlyFanser. Just because a city is in is mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good place to be. Bell, uh, well, Bella, hey, Delphi sounds awesome. Bella Delphi. Every time you say it, I think of her name. And oh yeah, very much a OnlyFanser. I should not have pulled that. Tyler, up. why do you know that? I don't know. Why I'm just on the. In, I'm on TikTok all the freaking time, so I don't know. I'm not like subscribed <laughs> to all three of her channels and on a have a th- fourth account uh, on her channel. What are you talking about? I'm just gonna let that sit out there in the universe. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so that is the life of Aesop. Uh, oh, also. The Delphians kind of got theirs in the end. The The book, The Life of Aesop, ends by saying that they were afflicted by a famine for the misdeed. So Isis Hell yeah. and the muses were looking out for him. Probably a famine of gold because he took it all back. Wait, what happened to all the gold he had? They probably took it from him and they were like, we're going to keep this gold. Sounds good. Sounds like, <laughs> you know. They, they got what they, they wanted. They got what they wanted and no food. I mean, if you have gold, you can buy more food right yeah but you know we didn't have cars or trains back then so but you know what we did have is the ability to figure out that someone didn't actually steal the bull how did we know that they didn't steal the bull that he didn't steal um well i mean who would you trust aesop or these scheming aesop is dead aesop's dead how is he writing this story I assume there were people with him from the king's court. Like, they didn't just send one dude. He probably had some traveling companions. Nah, there's some holes in this story. I don't like this. Tyler, the hole in the story is that while there are several mentions of Aesop by name in historical documents, we can't prove if he was real or not, or if he was just one person. Okay, so we're 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 moving on to that then. We're moving on to the idea that... <clears throat> All of these fables are collected under the name Aesop. Yeah. What's what's the what's the the going um theory on on what these are if they're not all from one dude? Well, I mean, it could be like a Grimm's fairy tale situation where it's just like lots of stories made up by people spread out all over the country at the time and then one person went and then just and collected, collected later ah uh, i see yeah i mean the his stories and his like biographical details weren't like told collectively until a century after he supposedly died um so the life of aesop which is like the first biography about him basically um was written in the first century a.d um and it included some of the fables themselves and notably that one is the first book in history told from the point of view of a slave uh, and historians call the book one of the few genuinely popular books that have come down to us from ancient times mm-hmm. it was so popular that according to the author of the biography i read uh, ian ledler when the printing press was invented in the 1400s the bible was the first printed book and the life of aesop was the first illustrated book to come off the printing press oh duh. so yeah and I think that is notable because, like, I don't think you would expect one of the oldest, like, historical texts passed down over time to be from the point of view of a slave. You would expect it to be from, like, a king or someone else powerful. Sure. 
So I think <clears throat> that speaks a lot to Aesop, or at least the idea of him. Um, and one of the important things that like literary and historical scholars know is that uh, Aesop was a way for Greeks to tell stories about themselves and their own values. So even if he wasn't a single person or a real person, like the stories and the times that he was writing about very much were. Like Batman. Exactly. <laughs> Do you think in like in like a thousand years they're gonna be like, who's this guy Bruce Wayne? Oh my god! And then we're gonna people are gonna talk about him like he was real. <laughs> Did you know that back in the two thousands there was a dude that would dress up as a bat and beat the shit out of people <laughs> in Gotham? Well, technically Gotham wasn't uh, a real city. What some people think of Gotham is a conglomeration <laughs> of New York and Pittsburgh, and uh, and so it could have been one of those cities. Uh, but but Batman Bruce Wayne himself was a real person. We just didn't know which city he was in. This needs to be one of our future episodes. <laughs> It'd be dope. Now I want to do a full documentary, like a future documentary about bullshit stuff nowadays. That would be hilarious. That people think is real in the future. Yeah. And then we get like, we, like, like ancient aliens nowadays, but it's in the future. So they're dressed in like weird outfits and things that are like, <clears throat> and then they've got like fish bowls for heads. I don't know. Now I'm just, now and I'm just somehow riffing. like all of our historical records have been lost except for some Marvel and DC comic books that they think are actual like history books. Yeah. That. And then they're like, and then they're like, yes. And then of course there was the uh, 2020 government created um, uh, <laughs> propaganda plague. for the plague that they were trying to sell, which obviously was fake. <laughs> I like how our uh, future alien overlords sound like nerds. Yeah, like, that's all of course they're here. nerds. They're future overlords that are in interested in history. <laughs> you always make fun of me because I go with uppity white old Englishman, and then I don't one time. That would also not work well for aliens, I don't think. Like, why do the aliens sound like C.S. Lewis, Tyler? <laughs> I guess say zip zap. Why do they like the Superman so much? <laughs> okay, trying to get back on topic Sorry, here. I know. I am so, all over it today. You are all over the map today. So, uh, I'm trying to explain, like, the cultural importance of fables. Um, let's see. So ancient Greece, like, when I was learning about it in high school, at least, like, it's known for being the birthplace of democracy and, like, modern philosophy. All of the important dudes from back in the pre, uh, in the before common era times, they were from ancient Greece. Um, but that all being said, approximately a quarter of the population of ancient Greece were slaves and worked on farms and houses and even as storekeepers. So great suffering was like very intertwined with the creation of their society. So it's no wonder the story of a slave who wins his freedom through cleverness would be beloved in that context. Sure. Um, fables were also like a way for slaves to kind of speak in code to each other so they wouldn't get in trouble. That's cool. Um, yeah. So for example, a slave who said the master has smelly feet might get in big trouble or disappeared. Uh, but if someone said, did you hear the story about the lion? He stepped on a thorn and his paw got infected. And then the listener might say back, so that's why his paw smells. So it's kind of like a clever way to talk shit about these assholes yeah. without them knowing. Um, and it's compared to Uncle Remus stories, which in America allowed uh, African-Americans to criticize and make fun of white slave masters. 
So this is a thing across like times and, and locations. Like slaves speaking code was nothing unique, but it probably was very new back then just because it was like 2,500 years ago. Um, and then the fact that the characters are almost always animals or at least not human is kind of crucial to what fables are. Um, first of all, slaves were often treated like and compared to animals or often referred to as just boy or another vague descriptor and they didn't have any individual identities. Mm. Um, second, using animals allows the, allows the stories to fly under the radar so the masters and overseers don't get mad. And it allows you to imagine and find the moral of the story. Whereas if you had a story about like a particular famous politician or someone, uh, readers or listeners might get hung up on factual details and kind of miss out on the overarching like message. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's an archetype that you're telling a story about, not a specific person. And then when you allow other people to infer those archetypes on other people, then they can, it helps kind of lift the veil on that. So you have, you know, the the whole idea of the, the lion and the and the master being one and the same, Obviously, you know, the the master is not someone who goes around eating carcasses and shit, but it is someone <laughs> who has a lot of pride and, you know, just to take this metaphor a little bit further, probably doesn't do shit all day and sleeps and does nothing while everybody else does all the work because male lions are the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, it's, the, it's an archetype of an idea, the power, the pride, the, the one in control. Um, and then all of the little ideas ideas that go or, you know like specifics don't have to be hung up so i think that's really cool yeah and that allows you to like i i think that's part of why they've endured for so long because you know they weren't talking about a specific master or king or something like they were speaking in vague terms that we can still apply to you know 2021 people or problems yeah exactly um yeah and then uh, in fables, like power is a very dominant theme and how power structures impact society. So like you've got the lion, like you said, or the wolf or or um, there's often like a theme of, you know, a slow, quiet life kind of away from the city being sure. preferable to, you know, a go, 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 like very dangerous existence where you're surrounded by threats. Um, so fables became a way of thinking <sighs> through and navigating complicated social like situations and structures and hierarchies at a time when hierarchies were even way more important than they are now. Um, and then specifically like how they were used at the time in fable collections, the moral usually precedes or follows the story. So like in the Grimm's fairy tales, they don't really do this. They kind of just tell the story, but in fables, you usually have a story. And then at the end you have like one sentence summing up the moral of the story. Yeah. Um, so like in the tortoise and the hare at the end, it might say slow and steady wins the race or something. Sure. Was that a part of the originals though, or was that adopted as things continue to get translated and if not part of the originals, like it's a thing that's been around for a long time hmm. and the morals change, like the wording changes a lot through different editions because like I could read the same exact story in three different places and the moral at the end would be slightly would be phrased slightly differently. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I, I do. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I like that as much. I mean, maybe that's just the more, uh, metaphorical artist in me that like, <laughs> I like leaving things <clears throat> open. You know, I, I like 
being able to say, here's my art, here's my story that I'm telling, you interpret that how you will, you know, and, and I think that you could have 10 people looking at the same story, and if they don't already know the quote-unquote, you know, moral of the story, then they're going to infer different ideas out of what that story is trying to say. Uh, just look at, just fucking look at the Karate Kid. Uh, I know this is super <laughs> random, but it's true. Rebecca and I just watched the Cobra Kai, the first few seasons of Cobra Kai. Have you watched that at all? I have not. Do you know what it is? Is it like a prequel to the Karate Kid? No, it's a sequel to the Karate Kid. And the oh. premise, the premise is it's following. Did you watch the Karate Kid at all? I'm sure it was on in the background at some point, but I don't think I've actually watched the whole thing. So you've got you've got the main kid, you know, who is the Karate Kid, and then you have his antagonist who is, you know, the blonde guy who is like super into karate and he's him and his friends are bullying the Karate Kid, uh, and then there's a big tournament and then they fight and Karate Kid wins. Um well the premise of Cobra Kai is like looking back on that same story, that same idea and going, yeah, the, the karate kid was the bad guy the whole time, right? Like he, he's this new kid that came in and started stealing the blonde kid's girlfriend and like just being a menace. And so him and his friends were just defending themselves and using the skills that they had to take this kid out. And then at the big fight, you know, the karate kid used an illegal kick and took out the blonde kid. <clears throat> like it's, it's this total twist on one specific story that it's been around for a while. I'm not, I'm not like, no, this no, is this brand new thing that I love, but it's an idea that's been around for a while. Wasn't that a thing in like how I met your mother or something? Yeah. Like there was some, was it how I met your mother where Barney was like totally yep. in love with the blonde kid and he was like, Ralph Macchio is the real villain. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't know that this is where it came from. It's the that's the first time I ever heard that whole like fan theory following you know Johnny Lawrence and him being the the real like protagonist instead of antagonist and the Karate Kid's the antagonist. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that show had such a huge impact on people having this change of like suddenly they see the same story in a completely different way that it influenced youtube to produce this whole show um i could see that happening because it was a huge revelation of like that's a completely different story now and so we look at these fables from aesop i'm i'm bringing it back around i do apologize for going on such a huge tangent but we look at these fables and these archetypes and these um these timeless stories and because we are such a different group of, of people, of individuals throughout the world, we come to different conclusions. Um, I like that more than, than it being like, look, this is the story. This is the moral you have to take away from it or, or else you're reading it or you're, you're doing it wrong. I am generally of the same mind with like novels and movies and stuff but i feel like in this situation i'm willing to make an exception because like the whole point of of a fable is to like impart a moral or like a chunk of wisdom on people and i feel like people are too stupid and i'd be a little bit worried that somebody you know two thousand years after the fact would read one of the stories and be like oh no the wolf who ate the lamb was the good guy because the lamb was totally fucking up the stream <laughs> 
and I want to be like, no, no. I want to be very clear. I need. The I wolf need. Represents it's important to tyrants. me that you know. <laughs> you must understand that the lamb was the good guy in this yeah. story. I do get that. My only problem is I won't be chained down to what other people believe. I'll I'll starve free when it comes to my morals. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you you absorbed the moral of that story yeah i'm gonna go get that star free is right we can have mar- matching right. star free tattoos i'm gonna get it right here star free <laughs> see no one ever understands it and nobody knows who aesop is so it's always very awkward when that's I because they only know who aesop is <laughs> I've, okay i've been pronouncing it aesop for the past six years of explaining my tattoo to people all right i mean yeah it it is an interesting one i was i was just talking to um, in one of my last correspondence episodes, I was talking to, um, Patrick Patton about, um, worship music and how I hate most worship music nowadays. And I go back to the hymn of come thou fount. And like, I want to get an entire verse from come thou fount on my body because it resonates with me so much. Like I love the language it uses and the the imagery and the feeling and emotion of like, I know that I'm going to break away from what, what I should be doing. I know that I'm going to do stupid, evil, terrible things because I'm a human man. I'm a white human man and we are the worst, (laughs) but there's grace. There's, you know, forgiveness and freedom in that. And so I, I, that's why I'm really excited. I didn't know you had a tattoo. I didn't know that there was something that you resonated with so much that you wanted it imprinted on your body. Um, I think that's the coolest thing. I, I love when people get really good things, not like live, laugh, love, or no regrets <laughs> no. or things like that. You know, like I like really, truly honorable philosophical stances like you have um on your body you are and it's you've talked about it you've reminded yourself in times where you were about to compromise and be like (laughs) no i will starve free i will be independent and you've turned what can be a weakness an independent to a fault weakness into a, a a point not of pride but a point of like identity yeah like i'm i i want to do it this way not that it makes me stronger because it doesn't you've you've uh, addressed that it makes (laughs) you weaker in some places but addressing it so that you can move past it your way i don't know i i find that really cool i love that that you've shared that not just with me but the whole you know ghoul gang of like (laughs) that we all need to go get tattoos like hannah (laughs) the funny thing is my mom like for my entire late teens, like early, well, I guess I was 20 when I got it, but she was always like, okay, like you can't get a tattoo. If you get a tattoo, I'm not gonna keep helping you pay for college or whatever. And then I told her I wanted that. And she just looked at me and she was like, damn it. Cause she really liked it. And she was like, well, I guess you can get a tattoo now. I mean, it really, (laughs) if you didn't, man, it really tells a story of, your mom saying, I won't help you if you get a tattoo. And then you go, well, I'm going to get it anyway, because <laughs> me getting it proves 
that I will live by that. Like it's very much immediately you're putting that on the line. It's not like one day I might have to deal with this. You're like, no, the fact that I'm getting this means I might die. I might die free. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing that she liked it because otherwise I would have had to make the very difficult decision of, oh, do I have principles or do I need my mom's help paying for college? (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, mom, for supporting me. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's why I got, you know, I got the Bible verse that I have on my arm because there was a point in my life where I struggled really, really hard with a lot of um, really bad thoughts. I I mean, I, I can't. I can't uh, express how much this verse really saved my life because it gave me some direction. It gave me some hope, even if it's the tiniest amount of hope. And uh, I, I do apologize. I'm not trying to sermonize, but the verse is Micah 7, 8 says, do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord is my light. And that verse means a lot to me, not because it's like, oh, it's this great biblical verse uh, Gandalf speaking magical words into my life it's like no it's this it's this undeniable truth in my life that if I'm gonna get up I have to get up it doesn't say the Lord will help me up or the Lord lifts me up it says do not gloat over me though I have fallen I will rise right it's it's a promise to myself I'm gonna get up every time I fall and then it doesn't say the Lord will carry me off on, on, you know, chariots of fire or give me wings to fly and blah, blah, blah. It says, no, the only thing the Lord is, is the Lord is my light. In this world of darkness, I'm surrounded by darkness. I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got one pinprick of a destination to go towards. That's it. Right. And it's like, even in the worst of times, that's if that's all I have, at least I have some direction. And there was a point where I had nothing to hold on to. And I was very close to ending it all. But with the help of this verse, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and some really good music that I just really fed into and like I just let it kind of work in me, I, it, it, help me stay alive. And so while I'm saying these, these, um, morals of these stories, I, I don't necessarily agree that we should just say, Hey, this is the moral of this story. Like the fact that there was even a language, the fact that there were even stories that people had in order to help them move on in life. Like if Aesop is real, like a wise person and and all he did was want to tell these stories to help people understand the world in a, in a different way. Um, it's something easy. It's something short. It's something simple that people can cling to that helps them continue on. Um, and that's, I think that's really, really important for everybody to have that thing that, that helps them connect with the reality around them. Parallels between like fables as a story form and like Bible verses and the morals that they try to impart. Um, I don't know enough about the fables of, of Aesop. Um, I know that there's, there's a huge difference between a parable and a fable. Um, that's been made clear to me through my Sunday school teachings. 
Um, the the biggest thing is that I don't know. I, I feel like a fable is trying to lay things out in a very like look. Here's this wrinkled uh, tapestry. Let's let's clean it off. Let's let's make sure it's nice and straight and everybody can see it. Whereas the from the gospels from the Bible, it's almost as if Jesus was going, here's this fundamental truth. Let me scribble this fundamental truth on this piece of paper, and then I'm going to crumple it up and then I'm going to tear it up. And then I'm going to throw the confetti at you and you get to put all these pieces back together. Right. And, um, and maybe other people disagree with me and say, no, that's BS. Jesus laid it out perfectly clear. I don't believe that's true. I believe fully that a parable that Jesus gave in in the Bible is deeper than we could possibly know. It is riddled with riddles because we are slowly pulling back layers as time goes on and finding truths in it that we didn't know. It is actively open as a more morality, you know, in the story. Um, so it, it's really, it's, it's almost the opposite of a fable to me where Aesop was going, look, stop being idiots, you idiot. It's very clear how to be a better person. And then Jesus was like, Hey, stop being a terrible person. It's very easy. If you just dedicate yourself to listening to my words, you'll figure it out. I don't know. That's my very quick, uh, idea because i've never really put them together i've never really tried to go how do these fit together um the timeline is interesting because it would be around the same timeline as um the uh well I'm trying to think now the minor prophets would have been probably around the same time i don't know bible scholars get at me let me know if this timeline <laughs> is is around the same time as i think the like the later um, Babylonian like control of uh, I'm trying to think now I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about I'm just a dummy that reads the Bible you think I know anything about it come on <laughs> you had us in the first half <laughs> all right um do we have any final thoughts or shall uh we get on out of here i feel like my final thoughts have already been just sprayed out in front of everybody so <laughs> great word choice <laughs> coming up on the next episode of between lewis and lovecraft we are talking about the king of horror yeah a little indie author you guys probably haven't heard of him we're kind of in the <laughs> underground so we know like who's the up-and-comers nowadays um, so we've heard about him, but you know, it, it'll probably be cool for you guys to learn who this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this guy is Stephen King. Stephen Stephon mother King? friggin' King. <laughs> so yeah, you've probably never read or watched anything by him. Um, so I'm sure everyone will be very interested to learn all about Mr. King. Yeah. Uh, it's really annoying because when you call him Mr. King, I keep thinking of like, martin luther king and i'm like we're not <laughs> we're not talking about martin luther king no 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 someone even more important historically wait who's more important 
Stephen King, obviously. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. <laughs> Hannah's got jokes. No, the thing is, uh, I, I feel like I'm not going to like him very much. Stephen King, not Martin Luther King. Uh, when I start doing some research, because I feel like Stephen King's always saying like rude shit about other authors. Like, didn't he diss Stephanie Myers? He did diss Stephanie Myers. He's also yeah. dissed a lot of other people. He really got the gravy train going with uh, the anti-rallying uh, stuff as well. So um, oh. I think there's going to be a, a lot of that conversation to be had about good old Stephen and his uh, critiques of other authors. But with that, he's also been really uh, nice to some authors that we personally know. Oh, re- oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah. no, so sh- does that mean I can't shit talk Stephen King because he gave a good review to um, S.A. Cosby? Uh, I don't know. It's up to you. Yeah, I'm not going to tell <laughs> you what to do. No, nah, I shit on everybody regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Except S.A. Cosby because he's great. Except because he's a nice guy, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to uh, the excuse to read and watch a lot more Stephen King stuff. I actually just watched Misery last night, so. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go look for something. I don't know. I've read a couple of his books. Um, I'm more interested in his writing craft stuff more than his actual writing. So I'll maybe try to find some more stuff on that. Yeah, for sure. Or short stories. Ah, yeah, maybe I'll try short stories. I don't know. His particular <laughs> his particular flavor of of horror I don't gel with all the time. The uh I don't know. I don't know. This is not We'll, we'll a, talk more yeah, about that on the King next episode. episode. So But yeah, so that's what y'all have to uh look forward to Ghoul Gang. And in the meantime, Tyler, where can they find us? Hold on. Did you just call them the Ghoul Gang? Did, did you just use don't, the term? Don't question it. And I didn't even make you do it? <gasps> Hannah! Okay. It's great. Welcome to the gang. Okay, now you're making me regret it, and I no. want to go back and like delete it out of the track. Oh, no, it's great. <laughs> I've got you captured. I'm recording backup audio. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's on the Google gang gravy train. No. This is a deep fake, guys. It wasn't really me. <laughs> yeah, just like Andrew Garfield in the new trailer for Spider-Man. What? Yeah, I know. That's going to date us a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> if you guys want to hang out with us, there's a few ways you can do that. You can go to Facebook.com slash Lewis and Lovecraft and hang out with us there. We also have another page, which do we have a link to that group in the uh, in our page? I think we should, but we I'll sh- double check. We'll we'll try and get it there. The group is a little more active. Um, Devani, our uh, one of our two patrons, she posts there, and we laugh. That's about most of all we do. But if you want to bring more life, <laughs> she posts and we laugh. <laughs> uh, bring more life to it. Feel free to join us. You can also go to Instagram where we post pictures every once in a while make comments and uh comment on other people's stuff so feel free to chat with us there you can go to lewisandlovecraft.com if you want to get uh pictures of us see you know some of our other authors that we've talked about on the show links to other websites like hannah's stuff my stuff things like that um and lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com that's the most important one right now why is that the most important one hannah uh, I think it's because of a little thing we're doing called the Halloween Flash Fiction Special. Bro, 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 bro. Halloween Flash Fiction. Guys, we have 
uh, a less than a month until submissions close for the Flash Fiction special Halloween episode. October 4th is the final date of submissions because I have to start getting other people to start reading those stories. So I have to get every, I have to get everything together, make it happen. It's a whole thing. So Halloween flash fiction, that's 500 to 700 words. That's like a page of a story. It's not a lot of work. You just write down the first idea that comes to your head and then scrap it and try again. And I guarantee you'll have a good idea. Um, you submit that to us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. We will read it on our show. Um, and if it's not one of us reading it, it'll be someone who's even cooler than us. And it's really dope and really fun. We did our sci-fi episode back in April or May of last year, of this last mm-hmm. year. And then uh, we, we've had two other Halloween episodes. So if you want to get a kind of a quick little tasting of what we're going to be doing, go check out those episodes in the past. I don't know why I'm doing the, the sassy fingers. You're talking with your hands a lot. I'm talking <laughs> a lot with my hands. But yeah. I'm really excited for the Halloween episode. That's my favorite episode every year. So. Yeah, me too. It's so fun. Um, yeah. And as always, we want to extend a thank you to Jake Basson for our awesome intro music. Uh, go check him out on soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson. He's got all sorts of great music of many different genres. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe and, uh, you know, hang out with us every time we release stuff. We do our deep dives and then we do our correspondence. Hannah, do you have a correspondence coming out soon? Oh, God, I hope so. I'm supposed to be recording one this week, uh, which will pair nicely with the Grimm's episode because me and my uh, guest host for that are going to be discussing fairy tales. Nice. A nice pairing of... Uh, correspondence with deep dives um also make sure you go to patreon and support us there if you want to um you know help us out so that we can maybe one day afford some cool merch or other cool things right now we don't really have any goals because it's more of a passive thing Um, but if you want to help us out it's much appreciated and you can always help us out by rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts or pod chaser uh write something nice about us or something like lukewarm about us we just want comments yeah lukewarm if you only have lukewarm it's fine just not cold or else we'll make fun of you on our show (laughs) yeah if you write something cold we'll make fun of you if you write something lukewarm or more positive then we will read it with gratitude yes absolutely and finally the best way that you can help us out tell us hannah what's the best way that people can help us out Tell your friends. That's Spread it. Spread it like a fable. We're n- hey, look at that. <laughs> We're not looking for a lot of money here. We don't need you to go and, you know, go buy a billboard or anything like that. Just tell a couple friends. If you're listening to our That'd show, be cool, though. that would be cool. If you do want to buy a billboard for us, we'll send you some promo pics. Anyway, uh, <laughs> tell friends about us. That way we can grow our show and maybe one day get sponsors so that we can you know do some merch and stuff we're just you know we're looking to make some a little bit of mood out. not not enough to where we're you know the one percent or anything we're not trying to donald donald trump this we're just trying to grow i don't know i don't know what we're we're, we're trying <laughs> we don't to know what we're trying to we're do. trying to earn our freedom so that we can starve free am i right hannah yeah yeah you got it i did i got there <laughs> And with that, ghoul gang, we're going to say goodbye, good night, salutations, good and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
so <laughs> ominous. <laughs> oh shit, I didn't even think about a bit. I always have time with the music to think about my bit, but now I don't get that because we don't have music playing. That's fine. No, you know? it's not um, fine, Hannah. Damn it. Um, hold on. Um, what's your favorite, um, like, fable, moral, life lesson? Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, Pride goes classic. before fall. Super classic. Actually, it's, um, I don't know. There's a few of them I listened together. to that I was like, ah, they're okay. But most of them, honestly, were kind of stupid. But this is, I'm putting the horse before the cart. Um, I like that fable. Let's do that one. <laughs> Don't put the horse before the cart. Or the cart before the horse. Yeah, you should always put the horse before the cart. Yeah, you should actually. always have the horse before the you're cart. You're doing it totally wrong. Unless you're a Volkswagen, then put the horse behind the cart. Because they put their engines in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. I did not know that. Music.